This is Tom Capone and Richie Woods, and this is Power of Three, Season 2, Episode 5, with very special guest, Barry Kaplan. This is going to be a fun interview for Tom and me. We go way back to junior high days in the early 70s when we used to watch Barry's plays, and because we both worked in the school district, we probably saw about 30 years worth of Barry's plays, and when you went to a Kaplan show, you really felt as if you witnessed Broadway in our hometown. His actors used to describe it as magic. And magic it was. Barry directed over 325 shows in his 53-year career. He's, as an actor, he's played major roles, including Tevia in Fiddler on the Roof, Alfie Doolittle in My Fair Lady, Norman in On Golden Pond, and Applegate in Damn Yankees. He's worked with Billy Crystal, Bradley Cooper, Conan O'Brien, and Oceanside's own David Pamer and Larry Hirshhorn. Because of his dedication to the Oceanside students and the Oceanside community, our high school auditorium was dedicated to Barry for his 37 years of service to our community. Barry has also been an actor and director in Long Island Regional Theater since 1958. A tribute to Barry from former student Stephen Friedman says, Barry was gracious, professional, and humble. He always gave the positive reinforcement I needed, not just in the theater, but in life as well. Well, without any further ado, it's our pleasure to bring to you Barry Kaplan. Barry, Richie, and I want to welcome you to Power of Three. This is our fifth episode in season two. Welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. Hi, Barry. Hi. We really appreciate you joining us. Barry, Richie, and I thought we would begin by asking you about your thoughts related to the 92nd Academy Awards, which took place this last Sunday. The reason we bring it up is because there were many who were interviewed during that telecast, certainly those who won the Oscar that, that evening and those who were interviewed prior to the actual telecast beginning, each of those who were interviewed mentioned those in their lives they considered to be mentors and a source of inspiration in their lives. Have you ever thought of the impact you've had on those you've taught and performed with in those terms? Certainly. Uh, and uh, I, I've waited for David Paymer, who was up for uh, uh, the award as a supporting uh, actor, to uh, tell the world that I was the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the one who influenced him. But um, in fact, in truth, uh, my students, the kids who were in the shows, influenced me in so many ways, and I got much more than I gave. It, it, Rich and I always talk about relationships and that maybe Richie wants to talk about the uh, impact it's had on us as educators in Oceanside. No, but just to echo what Barry said, as an educator in any form, coach, drama coach, classroom teacher, you get so much more from the students than you give to them, and they help form the person that you are. And as soon as you start understanding those relationships, um, I think that's when you start to become a better teacher. At, and as a teacher... Your job is kids, right? And you discipline. I'm not minimizing the academic aspect of it, but it's the kids. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. 
yeah. Barry, over the years, uh, with all of those relationships and all the kids that you came into contact with, is there a particular memory that you have looking back that can illustrate for our listening audience about the kind of um, rapport and influence that you've had on them? Um, is there something that, that comes to mind that can illustrate that for us? A memory? No. Memories? Many. <laughs> uh, uh, I think... In, in theater, I was trying to give the place to kids who, where they were in an atmosphere that was non-judgmental, even though, ironically, I was judging their talent and, and uh, the parts that they were going to have. But I wanted them to feel comfortable, and I, and I wanted them to feel that um, if they didn't, if they didn't want to perform, they could uh, work backstage. But um, I think so far as uh, the influence that I had that you mentioned, uh, um, oh, I, I think in terms of uh, um, the, uh, um, my uh, retirement party where so many of the kids came to let me know that I had made an impression upon them. Uh, later, um, two years ago, I guess, we uh, had a uh, reunion of the uh, some of the kids in the classes of 70, 71, 72, 73, and uh, it was, again, a reaffirmation of the fact that I had uh, influenced them. But they don't all know how they influenced me. And uh, I hope that maybe through this podcast they will. I'm sure that will come through. Um, we have a very special uh, part of our program that we're going to introduce later on during this podcast. And I think that you'll be able to hear uh, firsthand about the influence that you've had and the impact you've had on others. But we're going to uh, do that a little bit later. But we'd like to continue talking about how it is you got into uh, acting, into the theater, uh, drama coach. Um, what was the, the moment, that aha moment for you that, that led you to make the decision, this is what I'm going to do? I guess it was uh, Camp Wyndham in Willimantic, Connecticut. I was uh, six or seven years old, and uh, they drafted me to be the littlest policeman in the Pirates of Penzance singing Tarentara, Tarentara, <laughs> and uh, I liked the applause, even, even though it was, <laughs> it was one infectious. of many, it, and uh, uh, I guess that was the start, and then in high school, uh, I was always involved in some form of performing, and directing too, and, and uh, in college also, uh, I was acting and directing. We used to have... Um, uh, winter weekend, spring weekend, uh, uh, homecoming weekend, and and with that we would do a show one of Friday nights usually, and uh, I, I was the uh, resident director of, uh, of the class, uh, and then um, Barbara and I met in Far Rockaway High School. Uh, we uh, she had been there uh, as an art teacher and home ec teacher. And uh, I was hired as uh, an interim English teacher. But we uh, started the musical comedy workshop. 
and we had a, a raft yeah. of kids joining us and uh, put on a show. And uh, I said one day, uh, want to go out for a drink after? Sure. The rest is history. <laughs> We're married 53, 54 years. So That's your great. career uh, really enriched your life in a number of ways. Right. That's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. Yes. Did your family help foster uh, these feelings that you had towards acting, directing? And it's, it, it's interesting to me that even as a young person um, that you were also directing. Like when you think about young people involved in theater – I think about the fact that they love to act and they want to be out there in front. But you did both, but early on you also did directing too. Yeah, I wonder if it was my megalomaniac bent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I think that my mother and father never really discouraged me. They, Of course they said, how are you going to make a living right. when, when I was going to be this great uh, star? <laughs> So, um, Barry, you you began your career uh, in Oceanside. What year? No, I began my career at Far Rockaway High School. Okay. Uh, and then uh, in Oceanside, 1964, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a, a wonderful 37-year career, and, and I loved Oceanside. Um, I think most of my colleagues, and Rich, you'll attest to that, uh, Tom, and I'm sure you would too, but um, they, they were bright. They, were, uh, they loved kids for the most part. They, were, um, they knew their disciplines, and, and they, they cared. Of, of course, they, there was an administration that was, for the most part, at that time, very, very receptive to the teacher being doing what a teacher should be doing. Now, I, unfortunately, I hear it's not that way. Let me go off on a little bit of a tangent based on what you were just talking about. Having worked with Richie for a number of years, uh, I learned that you spent a lot of lunch periods together. Oh, gosh. I, I bet that could be the basis for a podcast to itself. I uh, <laughs> think it probably could be. <laughs> We, we, careful, we, Barry. We, careful. We had a good time. <laughs> we had a great time at That's lunch. Something. We did. You know what? I, I've heard stories about those lunch Uh-oh. period conversations, and I only bring it up in this context. It it comes through loud and clear from the stories that I've heard about the passion that all of the teachers um, from the high school have had and continue to have, um, which is probably the most important thing. Without that passion, we can't be educators. Can't be as effective as they need to be for kids. And I think that's, that speaks to, to you, Barry, uh, throughout your career. The passion that you've had has been evident to children, to parents, to colleagues, to administration. So regardless of administration and where they're at in, in terms of your opinion, we, it's recognized that passion makes a difference, and you certainly had that passion. I, I hope so. I, I loved what I was doing. Uh, I went to work every day, and it wasn't work. Uh, I don't remember the the, uh, um, Da Vinci quote, but something to the effect that uh, uh, if you you can lead a life that's rich and never know that you have uh, 
put in the effort because it's it's just there, and uh, I think that that uh, probably is a reflection of me. I never felt that I was working. I was I was living my passion. I, I think the say. quote that you're looking for is, "As a well spent day brings happy sleep, so life will use, well used brings happy death." That's exactly right. You're Tom did his thesis on the uh, prevention. <laughs> I just and I remember, I, you know, as a matter of fact, I used that quote when I was trying to convince the um, Oceanside staff to vote on the Renaissance course, mm-hmm. and uh, we had that uh, wonderful course for several years. You mentioned another uh, thing that teachers that you work with really cared. And that's what we felt going through school, and that's what I felt when I was working there too. And certainly, you fit that um, as as well as anybody else, you know, in my mind. A couple of times, I uh, when I was uh, building rep, I uh, would be a little bit upset having to defend teachers who were less than having right. that kind of uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. Barry, looking back. Um, is there a difference that you see and recognize now in in theater and what it takes to uh, put a production in place? Is, is the process the same today as it was 35, 40 years ago? Is that something that never changes? Or are there things that influence it, like technology or, or different types of approaches to acting that are different today? Oh, Tom, t- to be honest, I, I'm not in the mainstream of theater today I, I know educational theater well during the course of and your career did you feel that there was a, a shift or a change in how things were done yes um, um i my philosophy was expect a great deal from the kids and you get it i think later um i uh i i saw that um administrators, adult, other adults wanted to have their hand in, and so they took away the publicity committee from the kids. They took away things, uh, they took away the uh, lighting, the sound from the kids, and gave it to adults. Uh, the building, uh, uh, the sets, mm-hmm. right. had been done by the kids, and then later it was not. I don't think that's a positive thing, but mm-hmm. I think that's what I saw. Right. Um, I'm curious, is, how you honed your craft? How did you become the, in our mind, the great director that you became? Were there other, were there great influences on you? Were there actors or directors that you admired who had an influence on you? Um. I, I I think that my probably one of my greatest gifts, and it sounds very immodest, I'm sorry, was being able to observe. I saw that um, you had to be real, you had to be honest, you, you had to have the technique, of course, you had to have um, know how to move your body, what your body could do, you had to uh, be able to speak in universal English instead of cheat yet no jew i can't understand it um i can't stand him i can't stand him right but that, <laughs> that kind of thing so um I, I would always harp on the kids 
right. man can't, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would uh, let them know that you can act with your back. Um, listening is more important than speaking very often. Be an active listener. Did that come about from observation? I observation, think. and then what's inside of you? Is that yeah? Basically, I, I think so. Right, I think so. Uh, so far as um, influence from other directors, I had a wonderful high school teacher who um, uh, encouraged me also in, in that. Uh, Bert Walski, who unfortunately is gone, um, and uh, in college also uh, great teachers. Uh, when I was at UCLA, um, there was a, a a music teacher who influenced me, a fellow named Bob Mizrobian, who was also terrific. And and when uh, we did, st- <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I think of some stock, and I just have to laugh because um, I, I uh, was directed by uh, Casey uh, Nicolau, who uh, has done Spamalot, who has done. Uh, so many of the uh, Broadway shows, but he was uh, at uh, New London uh, Theater in, in uh, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and uh, I was playing uh, the devil in Damn Yankees. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, of course, was a, an influence as well. And this is later on, but I laughed at it because I it was probably one of the biggest money-making mo- summers that I ever had. <laughs> But I had to pay for uh, all of my uh, meals for Barbara, and we didn't like the uh, dorm that they kept <laughs> us in, so we went to a uh, motel, uh-huh. and uh, it was so expensive <laughs> that I never did some. You broke even. <laughs> I wish I had. <laughs> so you're, but when you're in college and you're you're doing the acting in college and you're majoring in theater. Yeah. No. 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 I measured. I major, majored in the speech. Okay. At UCLA, I majored in speech. But you have this big bug. Did you ever feel that you wanted to do that for a living, Absolutely. strictly? So Absolutely. what? What? What was the course that you took after college? Well, did you, you know, you did you pursue an acting directing career and then go back into education? I or? did not. Right. I went into education for um, 37 years, and then I uh, pursued an acting career. Oh, you did it the other way. Uh, yes, right. I, I was the um, newest version of the oldest person in the millennium. <laughs> That's great. So that was, uh, uh, and I tried, and I, I took a course with them. Um, do you remember Jerry Palmer? No. Jerry Palmer's wife, uh, Joan C., ran a school, and I took an um, advertising course with her. Uh, and and in there were six or seven people in the course, and among them was Bradley... Uh, Cooper. Cooper. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we, we did a couple of scenes together, uh, commercial scenes. Mm-hmm. So how long ago was this? I think it was uh, 2000. So that was just as his career was beginning to take off? It hadn't taken off yet. And he just so as your... He had just graduated from uh, the new school. So was there anything that you observed in him? In him I that knew said, immediately. This guy is good. Really? I knew wow. immediately. What, what was it? Something. I, I it's saw, an intangible. I, I, you can't I put saw your it in on. David Pema. I saw it in right. Judy Naction. I, I, I saw it in... in um, some of the kids were just 
so so terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Ernest, I thought, would uh, make it big, and she did. She became a cantor. Is it? <laughs> is it the ability to be uh, to emote naturally? I mean, I'm truly trying to figure out what it is that um, propels somebody to a level that is not consistent with many people who are in the profession. What sent, stands them apart? Is it that ability to to be natural, to be confident, to to deliver lines flawlessly? I mean, is it all of the above? Um, Tom. Uh, you would be making a lot of money if, if you we knew. knew. <laughs> so would I. I, I, I it's an intang- intangible, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but you just know. But uh, oh, there was a, a kid um, named Adam Bloom who also I thought could uh, have have really gone wherever. And mm-hmm. then, and yet there were kids that um, made it who. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Karen was a bright kid, and, and, and look at him now. Promotion side, right. yeah, right. right. He's uh, uh, producer, director of Bull. He was in right. Moonlighting, Moonlighting, sure, right, um, which had a few Oceanside people in it in the cast too. Right. Well, really? the the woman um, secretary was from Oceanside, and there was a, there was one other too. I'm forgetting now, but uh, oh, Marine Silliman also. Um, that was my first year, and she went on to uh, do Shenandoah. She was, she had it. It's a special mm-hmm. gift. She was, she was in the Man Who Came to Dinner, and then she played uh, the second lead in uh, Brigadoon. My first year. Wow. Uh, uh, let, let's see. Uh, Greg Mitchell. Right, the Broadway dancer. Oh, we saw him. Barbara and I saw him in in eight or nine different Broadway shows. Wow. And when he was a skinny, braced, <laughs> braced uh, <laughs> freshman or sophomore, we went up to um, Cape Cod Melody Tent because he had a part of in the chorus of uh, The Boyfriend. And it was a professional gig. And right. we, we uh, sat with uh, his parents and uh, had a wonderful dinner and saw the show and uh, had a great time. People so, listening... If you hear the excitement in Barry's voice as he talks about some of his former students, you can recognize the passion and the caring that we talked about before, definitely. Barry, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm sorry. I didn't no, I, I, I just, uh, I care, I cared about the right. kids. Mm-hmm. I do care and about them still. Obvious. And I That's see right. them still. Right. Um, to, to make it, uh, a little more personal as far as your journey as an actor and as a drama coach and so on. Was there a specific process that you subscribed to that enabled you to achieve the level of success that you did? A process in terms of how you could get the most from your students? You know, I think you run by the seat of your pants, and then if you're lucky, you have the time to philosophize later. <laughs> um, well, that means that you, you innate, you had some really uh, great ability and talent, and uh, you know you understood children yeah, very well. Uh, uh, it was funny. Um, Jen Label. Uh, I remember Jen Label. Well, Jen and uh, uh, Alyssa see each other. They live uh, in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she lives in Berkeley. And um, 
they were talking and said, you know, one thing about your father, and it was very nice of her to say it to my daughter, yeah. uh, he always made us try to look as good as we could. And it was true. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wanted the kids to, to shine. I, I think there's a level of trust that kids must have in you to allow them to, to, uh, to hear from you a direction that is honest and specific and uh, from the heart. I think that combination, especially the part that comes from the heart, I think that enables kids to be trusting of you and I imagine that's what helps them to be the best they can be. I, I think they felt that I, I wasn't going to do anything to embarrass mm -hmm. or harm them. I, I and that is certainly right. a place where you, you could be embarrassed. And you know that age. Right. So, uh, right. It, it, it's a wonderful age and it's a terrible age for, mm -hmm. the, for many adolescents. You, you have to uh, treat them gently too. So I imagine it had to be extremely gratifying for you to be able to have that kind of a rapport with them that would allow them to develop that level of trust where they gave their best for you. It certainly was, yeah. absolutely. The, um, my sister Mary and my brother John were uh, part of uh, your, your drama group. Uh, yes, I remember <laughs> them well. <laughs> and, you know, it was a part of our household that made it. But You know what, as I'm sitting here right now, a vision comes to me, which I didn't think of ahead of time, of you coming to our house with a group of thespians singing Christmas carols. You must have gone to a bunch of houses of the students. I don't know. It just hit me just now, but I didn't remember that before. But obviously you were part of our household from my sister, who was not uh, a, a lead in the shows. However, she you could... Are. She was. I know she, she could do she, every. She was Daisy May in oh, yeah. Little Abner. Okay, <laughs> I know she could do every everybody's role because we heard it every night at the dinner table, yeah. and uh, but I was going to the idea that you really, really made it special for those students, and they really felt that they were doing something that it was great, and many of the one, almost all of them that you speak to, talk about your. Pre-game speech about magic, and um, you can't talk to any of the drama students where they don't talk about your speech about magic. You want to tell us a little bit of that? Sure, but but, but first I want to say, coaches have the same kind of thing with their teams. Uh, the the band director has right. the same kind of thing with his. They form such a close knit yep. group, mm -hmm. such yep. a special right. group. It's yeah. true. And, and we were affected as much as we uh, affect others. Exactly. The speech. Okay. Um, I tell them that they're creating a universe that no one else can touch but can appreciate. And they are the center of that universe, whether they have the uh, biggest part or they say, what ho? <laughs> it doesn't matter because at one point, someone is always looking at them. And they have to just be ready and shine and sparkle and be the best them. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess that's the uh, create the universe speech. Right. We're going to hear in a couple of minutes about the impact that, that speech has had on others 
that have worked with you and for you during the course of your career. Um, but I'm wondering also, uh, I, I'm always very interested in the process and, and how we have to, as educators and, and what you did as drama coach and teacher, how you had to make adjustments along the way, whether it's during rehearsal or during an actual performance. My, my question, I guess, is looking out at an audience during any given performance, do you base their reaction or do you use their reaction to make any adjustments within the, the performance that's going on or do you just use it for future reference or do you just try to ignore it or, or do you feed off of it? My job is finished once the <laughs> show is on, is mounted and on. Mm -hmm. uh, very often, the stage manager, a kid, and the uh, other uh, crew heads mm -hmm. are run it. It's up to them. I become a member of the audience. Uh, the first night, of course, I give notes that I see. They're not usually notes that. The, based upon what the audience has done or said or reacted to, mm -hmm. but upon uh, things that we perhaps had rehearsed and they forgot or um, things that they added and were wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I don't know how influential the audience is. Um, Did you give kids a little bit of leeway to, you just said things that they added? Did you give them uh, any leeway oh, like sure. during the show? or? sure. They ad-libbed a little bit? Yeah, well... Oh, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I keep remembering, uh, I think Lauren Pesca was playing Mammy Yoakum uh, in, in one production, and uh, we had a couple of teachers who were the uh, strong men who, <laughs> who had uh, become the... Uh, from the scrawny little guys to the big, wonderful men because they took the Yoakumberry tonic. <laughs> and... Um, uh, one of the strong men was Andy um, Skirbo, no. and Andy Morris. Morris, Andy Morris. And um, he uh, went on stage and she said, I have spoken. <laughs> and it just struck Andy funny and he just cracked up on stage. <laughs> and what are we going to do here? <laughs> and God bless Lauren. She just kept it going and stared him down <laughs> so it must have <laughs> been can, at least great, uh, 12 14 16 seconds it seemed endless <laughs> but um, it was just a perfect moment and the audience is tittering and laughing and giggling <laughs> and uh, That's great. it was fine Barry what have you learned about yourself during the course of your career looking back now or, or during at any point during the career, you must have picked things up along the way that you discovered about yourself that you hadn't really recognized previous to that moment. I wish you had mailed in that question. <laughs> um, what I discovered about myself. I, I, uh, I, think, I think I discovered that I'm uh, in the in when it comes to theater. I my expectations are pretty high. I, I expect that a show is as good as the worst person in it. I've discovered that um, I, I'm 
I'm kinder than I thought that I was, or perhaps uh, kinder than I had been as a younger man. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I reaff it reaffirms the fact that I care about uh, kids, and uh, especially those who are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I hadn't even thought of that before. Okay. I'm just, this is a question that just hit me too. Do you think that theater lends itself to that aspect? Do you think that um, there are students that feel or young people that feel that they don't fit in in the traditional way that schools uh, go and then they, they're attracted to theater and they, they, then they begin to fit in? I do. Mm -hmm. I do, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to give you a long answer to that, but you're right. You hit right. it on the head. Yeah. How about um, you? a lifetime of theater for you? Are there roles that you really enjoyed doing yes. let's talk about some of oh, the, those that you had fun doing i'm gonna guess tevia but that's just a guess no it's <laughs> it, it's uh, first on my list uh, uh i love playing that man i loved him i still love tevia if if i could if i have a role model it's tevia mm -hmm. i'm he's a man who is spiritual without really being religious mm -hmm. he's a man who is devoted to his children who cares about uh, uh, his family his life his profession mm -hmm. um, and he's got whimsy and, and <laughs> wisdom which is an odd combination right. and, and one I hope that I acquire if I haven't got it yet <laughs> Very cool. Barry, I, I'm going to go back to the process again. In preparing for a role such as Tevia, yeah. is there a secret? It's always amazing to me how actors and actresses are able to recite their lines in a way that comes across as natural as it needs to be. But I imagine that, that it's a, an arduous process in memorizing those lines. Some make it look very easy. Is there a process that you followed other than just reading over and over again? where it got to that point where I, it looked natural. I do that, but um, I think you have to go to the script every time. Mm -hmm. The writer, first of all, theater is collaborative. And it, it, no one person creates the entire thing. You need a lot of different elements in, to make it work. Um, and number one is the writer, the playwright. Right. Uh, and if it's not in the script, it's all in the script. And mm -hmm. then you take your personality, the personality of, of perhaps people you've observed, and you just, by osmosis, mm -hmm. it, it comes in and works. Uh, I, I guess that's a, the process. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not necessarily conscious, but that's the process. Um, and and it can be different characters. I also love being um, or playing uh, Alfred uh, Doolittle, uh -huh. uh, the, you know the, uh, <laughs> the the crazy father of Eliza. <laughs> that was that was a fun role too, you know. You know, listening to you, I'm learning about you, and you know, in coaching, we talk about people that are gifted; they have talent 
for the sport that they're playing. You think about Willie Mays, you know, they wanted him to break down hitting. How do you hit so well? He says, I see the ball and I hit the ball. <laughs> but you, as a drama coach, are a person that has that natural talent too. And it's a human talent. You know, it's what you have. It sounds like that's what you have. You have that inside of you. You impart it in your characters and then you imparted it as a teacher. Um, and that's really cool. <laughs> Uh, at some points, uh, if a kid is not getting it, I remember I say, uh, "Look at this," and, and then I'll, I'll show him a little thing. And I hate to do that if I, if I can avoid it, because I, I don't want a, a carbon copy of what I'm doing. I, I want him to create for himself. Right. But if if it becomes necessary to do that, I would do that. And um, uh, very often, it, it might be just the thing that he needs. Right. Mm -hmm. To go off on his own, mm -hmm. or she goes off on her own. Barry, I've heard uh, performers say that they really don't care to see themselves, uh, whether it's a videotape back of a performance they've been in, or they don't like to hear or read a critique or a, rev a review of the show they've been in. How do you feel about that? I agree with them. I think that uh, videotaping is a wonderful tool for a rehearsal. You can see the, where the errors are, and, and, and that's great. But the human being, as, as poised and as graceful as he or she may be, always makes a funny face at one point or has a weird movement at some point, and you say, oh, did <laughs> I do that? <laughs> and it's inevitable that you do, and, and uh, you don't want to be reminded. <laughs> <laughs> You work with some pretty interesting people. Obviously, David Pamer. You talked about Bradley Cooper. You also work with Billy Crystal and Conan O'Brien. Um, if this was a podcast where we were trying to make some money, <laughs> we'd have to ask you about you know the the really famous people. But do you have any you know quick anecdotes that you would could share about maybe Conan or or Billy Crystal? Billy. Uh... I worked with when I was a substitute at uh, Long Beach High School, and uh, he, uh, Rick was his so his older brother, and, and they mm -hmm. were both in Down in the Valley, uh, a, a show that I uh, I did uh, for them. Uh, Billy was this very cute little kid. He was like a munchkin, <laughs> and. Um, uh, I guess he was maybe a sophomore. So while well, yeah, he was a, a bundle of energy and, and had great enthusiasm and was cute and, and, and uh, outgoing and enthusiastic, um, uh, you know, I, I never saw the great talent but, but <laughs> that, he, that he really had. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to follow up uh, with Richie's question with, uh, by asking you, is there a story about Conan that you can share? No. I wasn't expecting He was that. very, <laughs> no, he, he was really very aloof. Um, wow. Uh, I, I worked mostly with the casting director right. and, and the uh, production manager uh, during that time because uh, we used to do segments. Like I was uh, Triumph's uh, lawyer. Oh, my gosh. I was. Um, so this is a, just for the listening audience, you had some recurring roles on Conan O'Brien. Right, right, right. right. I, I was Socrates in another in another sketch. 
and my uh, tour de force was the uh, flatulating <laughs> critic. Yeah. That's, that's what I was hoping for. That's what, <laughs> that's what I wanted to hear. Oh, my God. That was a feature. And the reason I got that, ironically, was um, the, one of the girls, one of the seven times that I did Tevye in Fiddler, right. uh, one of my daughters, Huddle, was a casting director for Conan. And she said, would you like to do it? I said, sure. And so uh, I, uh, that's how I got that gig. So did you have an agent or a manager? No. No. no I, was, <laughs> I wasn't good enough. Oh, come on. <laughs> Barry, you, know, you talked about the writing. Everything comes back to the writing. What was your thought when you first saw the script that you had to follow for that role? Did you think to yourself, oh, my goodness, this is... This is really out there. Are you asking him how to how to prepare to be a flatulating <laughs> critic, Tom? I guess I am. <laughs> do you practice that? Where do you practice that? Hopefully in your bathroom. <laughs> no, it, it was in a matter of hours, you know. So it, it, it's they right. do those sketches one, two, three, right, and, you right. know, and uh, so uh, again, the seat of the pants kind of right. thing. Right, literally in this case. <laughs> oh, but I'm oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> Well, Rich, maybe this is a good time to uh, to uh, introduce Barry to the segments that we had the pleasure of uh, pre-taping prior to our conversation with Barry. Why don't you talk a little bit about uh, you know that what we're going to hear? We have three people who we asked to contribute to this podcast. Um, one is Larry Hirshhorn, who was also in the plays. We remember watching Barry in all the plays who um, went further in college and currently is a producer on Broadway and has um, been a producer of the uh, revival of Hair and also, most recently, Hadestown. He was one of a group of producers for Hadestown, which won the Tony. And, he, a, and he, a Grammy. And a Grammy. He'd like to... Uh, he's going to... Um, speak a little bit about his favorite drama coach. We have a little um, segment also from David Pamer, um, the Academy Award nominee, um, who is also continuing to work today in Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and also um, Star Trek. And he's also doing a play right now uh, that's being directed by uh, David Mamet out in California. And also a woman, Nancy Moses, Cantor, who sp speaks of you fondly, and she was in all the plays in high school also, and she has a, a little different um, um, aspect of you know how you helped her. So we're going to allow our audience to hear from each of those three individuals, and uh, once we've gotten through each of those segments, we'll ask you to respond to that, to what they had to share. Uh, hey, Barry, it's Larry Hershorn. I hope this finds you well. Tom and Richie asked me to uh, share a few anecdotes about my years with you back in Oceanside. I got to tell you, I've been racking my brain, and it's been over 40 years. So um, what I can tell you and say to your listeners, Tom and Richie, is that Barry uh, was one of the greatest teachers I've ever had, and I know a lot of people feel that way about him. 
um, an incredible mentor, passionate, smart, so talented. And he instilled the love of theater in probably thousands of kids, uh, including this one. A um, couple of my favorite memories, though, Barry, um, that just popped into my head. One is uh, senior year, um, when you did the kind of end of year, end of an era sort of evaluations of all the kids that were theater majors. Not that we were majors, but you know what I mean, all the theater kids. You brought us one by one into the dressing room to talk to us and, you know, give us some critique and analyze us. And I'll never forget this because you said some lovely things to me, but then I said to you, do you think I'm crazy to go to college to try to be an actor? And he looked at me, you looked at me as if I was out of my mind, and you were, I remember you just said, of course you should go. Of course you should do this. You're born to do this, something along those lines. And um, I'll never forget that encouragement. And of course I did go and, and major in, in uh, theater, and it's, um, it's worked out pretty well. Um, the other memory I'll share uh, with your listeners, Tom and Richie, are, um, and this was just an incredibly rewarding moment for me, um, Barry and Barbara came to see a production, one of the first productions I was a co-producer on on Broadway, which was the revival of Hair in 2009, and we won the Tony Award that year for it. Anyway, I invited Barry and Barbara to come and see it, and we had a lovely lunch beforehand, and our dear old friend Randy Lieberman was also there that day. And to have these three wonderful old friends from Oceanside be there to see a show that I helped get to Broadway was something I'll never forget. It was so moving to me. And then I was able to bring them up on stage afterwards and look out at the audience and um, look out at the theater, I should say. And it, it was just an unbelievably unforgettable moment for me that um, full circle, you know, and I just felt, oh my God, I was able to share this with, with my mentor. And uh, I'll always, always cherish that memory. And I'll always cherish my times at Oceanside High School with you, Barry. Uh, I went into this because of you, and I'll always love you for that, and I'll always thank you for that. Hope I get to see you and Barbara soon. Sending love. And Tom and Richie, back to you. Wow. That was a special uh, time for me, too. Barbara and I were thrilled to uh, see Hare and see him in it and, and spend time with uh, Randy and him. Uh, I remember... Uh, Larry as being uh, one of the mainstays of those uh, three years at uh, Oceanside and uh, he played the part of Senex in uh, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the we, Forum. Yeah, Tom and I both were there. <laughs> Beautifully. He was, he was just terrific. He has a real sense of comedy uh, and uh, he married a lovely girl. They have, they have two or three children and uh, uh, the b very pretty kids. I think several of them are involved in theater, too. Yeah. Thank you, uh, Larry. I appreciate uh, what you said. Barry, just um, watching you listen to Larry, and I'm sure that, that the same response will be uh, uh, obvious to Richie and me with the others that we're about to hear. I could see like a look of contentment, contentment or satisfaction or gratitude 
or all of the above, and, and listening to Larry share his thoughts about the, the relationship you two had. It's, it's true. Uh, uh, what was the Da Vinci quote? <laughs> I, will, I will end with that. You I'll go back to that. <laughs> you don't have to, yeah. but there it is. Right. Um, all right, we have uh, another one, Richie. Okay. Hi, Barry. This is Nancy Moses Cantor. I was so honored and flattered that Richie and Tom asked me to participate in this podcast. I was a little uh, taken aback and um, somewhat nervous and felt a bit undeserving, but after speaking with Richie, got a lot of clarity that I had some really wonderful things that I wanted to say to you, meaningful and um, I'm really welcoming this opportunity. When I think about you and I think about our time together, especially in in-depth, but really all the shows and all of the many, many, many hours that I spent on stage and off stage with you throughout high school, the first thing that I, that I picture when I bring up an image of your face, Barry, is eyes that sparkled with passion and a smile from ear to ear. And that's the image of you that I hold in my heart. And I want you to know that. You created magic for me and for all of us. You created a space where we believed that anything could happen, and it did, and even more than what we could have imagined. There was a place for everyone and I wish I had really fully appreciated the depth of that statement when I was younger. I think I was too anxious and insecure to realize that you really found a place for everyone and we all belonged to that magical world that you created. As you know, I was never a leading role. I was always in the chorus. Um, for Bye Bye Birdie, I think I was prop master even um, and I struggled with that when I was a kid. But as I look back on it now, a few things were really apparent. One, I had a lot of anxiety that I didn't know that that's what it was called, and I'm pretty confident that you knew that I was really too nervous and anxious to ever really be up front on the stage. Two, it wasn't my skill, it wasn't my gift. I had some musical ability. I loved the theater and I loved belonging. I had a pretty voice. But my skills and gifts laid in other arenas. And I really want you to know how deeply I appreciate that you found a place for me in spite of me being sort of mediocre in my talent, but committed and engaged and part of the world that was theater. So I want to thank you for including me and giving me a sense of belonging, even during times that I may have felt either less important or less valued. I want you to know at this point in my life, as I look back, that I really understand and I really appreciate deeply 
the safety and the magic that I experienced with you and all of us together on that stage and off. Thank you for inspiring me. Thank you for finding a place for me. Thank you for believing in me. And um, thank you for your passion, most of all. Much love to you, Barry. That was something. That was heartfelt. Uh, it's, it's lovely. Love, lovely uh, feeling. I, I, I'm warmed by the beauty of what you just said. Uh, you know, uh, and, and you both are educators, so you know that uh, readiness is everything. And I was struck by the fact that uh, she didn't appreciate it at the time. But in looking back, uh, I, I certainly didn't do it with that in mind. But the fact that I was able to um, help create an atmosphere where she could feel comfortable uh, warms me. That's very nice. It's got to be so meaningful for you to hear one of your students say that she holds an image of you in her heart. I mean, what? An educator just has to melt when he or she hears those words from a former student. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's a wonderful uh, obituary too. <laughs> she, um, <clears throat> it, it's almost as if she heard the beginning of our podcast or the the forty or so minutes that went by because she perfectly represented all your sentiments all your feelings of all you and the things that you were looking to achieve and the things that you did get back from your drama students. She really did it and eloquently too. Yeah, she did. Beautiful. And, and she mentioned the magic that you brought to you know the students, your inspiration, your passion, but she used another word that I want to spend just a couple of seconds on because it speaks to the trust element that we talked about earlier. She mentioned the safety. You created a place for all students where they felt safe. And Barry, I, I can't think of a, a, a more fitting tribute or an important tribute to, uh, to hear from the students that they felt safe in your company. I, I don't know how to react, but I'm, I'm glad. Mm -hmm. I, I'm gl if I did, and apparently I did, I'm very glad. But you know, my theater, drama coach, teacher, uh, director of all our plays back at Oceanside High School uh, for me in the early 70s was, was uh, Barry Kaplan. Mm -hmm. And um, as uh, you guys may know, you know, Barry's uh, a pretty unique individual. And um, he instills in his students um, a love of theater and community and sort of building something together and it's sort of a classic story about Barry Kaplan was before each you know we, we'd rehearse for three months uh, Fiddler on the Roof or whatever show we were doing that year and I did shows with Barry from ninth grade through twelfth grade um, but we'd rehearse for months and then we'd have two performances um, yeah. But it was like the most exciting, you know, weekend of your life. And Barry would always give a speech uh, before opening night when we were all backstage. And he would say 
make magic out there, make magic happen. And um, for me at that age, um, 15 years old, 16 years old, that just really sort of struck me and stayed in my heart. And, you know, it made me feel that I was capable of acting and performing. And it gave me a certain sense of confidence. And uh, I guess I'll always be grateful to Barry Kaplan. Well, another student who voiced a very similar sentiment, uh, you heard David say that uh, his memories of you have remained in his heart again. How gratifying for you. Uh, you know, the, that's one of the uh, bad things about having your uh, bladder so near your eyes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, I uh, Certainly, and I, I've always had a wonderful feeling for David, uh, as I have for so many of the kids. But I remember um, David was so excited because uh, I guess he was in his 20s when he was uh, given the role of Sonny in uh, Greece. And who would play opposite him? Sandy Zeman. Both of them uh, right. were, were mm -hmm. students, and um, both of them had leads. And they were playing opposite each other, ironically, because they took the curtain call together. Well, David said, uh, I'd like you to come and see the show. So Barbara and I, were, he, he got tickets for Barbara and I, and he said, please come backstage afterwards. It's a big deal for me. I, you know, cut backstage of a Broadway show, woo! <laughs> and so we, uh, we went backstage, and then the guy who was uh, Danny Zuko, who happened to be Peter Gallagher, Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Um, said, uh, are you David's uh, drama teacher? I, I said, yeah. And he said, he was so nervous <laughs> <laughs> with you in the audience. Yeah. Um, and, and then later, he, he uh, I was doing, um, many, many years later, I was doing uh, um, oh, the Chekhov, uh, the, uh, Good Doctor. And... Uh, uh, he happened to be in uh, in New York, and he came to the school and and uh, talked to the kids, which they were thrilled about. And then came back to the house, and uh, David and uh, his then girlfriend and Alyssa and uh, Barbara and I. Uh, she I guess she made spaghetti and meatballs, and uh, we had a, 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 a wonderful uh, dinner. And uh, uh, he, I think he had just got married. Gotten married. And was living in California, successful. Right. It, it, it was a special, special thing. Well, it, it's special also that Larry and David and Nancy took time out of their very busy schedules to be a part Certainly of this is. very special podcast episode. Uh, before we we sign off, I I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to do to indulge our audience by sharing something that that connects both of you. Certainly, you've shared a career together at Oceanside High School. And Richie felt very strongly, and I agreed, that you would be a great person to be a part of our podcast. But there was something else that connects you and Richie together. And uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that, that, that uh, thing that I'm referring to, if you don't mind. I don't mind at all. Um, I guess the year before I graduated, I, 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 I retired. Um, uh, they... Uh, 
de- dedicated the auditorium to me with a plaque um, uh, talking about my years of dedication and love for theater. And um, I know that uh, Rich was instrumental in uh, having that done. And, and uh, it was a lovely, lovely thing that he did for me and one that I will always appreciate and and view with uh, pride and humility. Um, I think you're a special person, I, and I always have. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't mean to step on that. You, you're speaking from the heart, and I agree with you. Right. Right. I'm okay. sorry to interrupt Good. there. I couldn't resist. Uh, but <laughs> I, I better not say any more. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that time, um, what I really wanted to do was name the auditorium the Barry Kaplan Auditorium. And I felt that that was apropos for all the things that we've said in this podcast. The district, especially the school board at the time, and I think still today, they they frown upon naming um, fields, theaters, or wings after teachers or coaches because I know we had also approached them. We wanted to have the baseball field named Skirbo Playa Field. Um. So they said no. So what I did was I figured we're going to dedicate the auditorium to you anyway, and people will then hopefully call it the Barry Kaplan Theater. So we skirted around it, and I had an ally in Marion Lehrer, and we got the plaque, and we had a ceremony that day, well-deserved, and you know that plaque is still there. And it'll always be there to recognize, you know, everything that you did. You're going to guarantee that. I am. Well, I, as long as I'm around, I'll make sure I, I'll brush it up a little bit. And uh, if it ever is in disrepair, I'll go down there and I'll get another one. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Rich. You're welcome. So, Barry, as we close, just a, just one other thought on my part. There are many things that have been shared by you and by others during our time together. A lot of wonderful things. We talked about the magic that you created, the inspiration, the passion, the safety that you provided for those who you worked with. But I'm going to say that patience is another aspect of who you are, as is demonstrated by the beginning of our podcast. It took us a few minutes to get going, (laughs) but you hung in there, and and I appreciate your patience. And this has been a pleasure for me, giving uh, us your time as freely and as willingly as you have. So I thank you for that. And thank you both. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> if the least of it is, is an excuse just to see you and say hi, <laughs> then the whole thing was worth it for that, too. I'm so glad that we got to see you today. Good to Thanks, see you. Barry. Thank Thanks, you. Barry. Thank you. Thank you.